This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I'm Danny Manjoyo and you're listening to the Stacey West podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 227 of the Stacey West podcast. It's the second of our Sunday specials this season and it's a much happier Sunday special indeed. You've heard from the goal scorer, the magician himself, Danny Mandroyu, before we've gone on air. After going on air, you're going to hear from me. I'm your host, Gary Hutchinson, and joining me is the Sunday League pep himself, Mr Chris Lamming. How are you doing? <laughs> that gets me every time. I don't know how much I like it or if I don't or not. I still, I'm still undecided, but it's very kind. Thank you. And I'm very well. Very well indeed, thank you. I'm sure I'm sure every single Lincoln City supporter listening is very well after that performance yesterday. <laughs> so obviously Charlie's even excited as well. It's his first appearance on the Stacey West podcast this season. Um we could get straight into it. Just first of all, I wanted a word on um just the atmosphere around town. And you and I don't share pre-match, which people may be surprised to know. Um, but I mean I was I spent some time in the treaty, I spent some time in Gwyn's. Huge amount of positivity, bearing in mind we lost our first game 3-0. You know, we're not going to pick back over that. Um, but I thought around the ground, even getting into the ground, sitting around with the people that were with um that, that are kind of you know around me, same old faces, season ticket holders, lots of positivity before a ball had even been kicked. Is that something you picked up on at all? Yeah, absolutely. Uh couldn't agree more. In the fan zone before the game, um, I had the same sort of feeling really. Um, it was really nice to be approached by a couple of people to kind of um, say how much they're enjoying the podcast and the new content, which is really nice. Um, but just the kind of the general kind of feeling we got around the place was was really positive, really. The, the few people that I did speak to, we, we all kind of felt that we, you know, the three points were there for taking, really. I think the the performance and the result against Notts County did the world of good. The fact that probably Wickham had a difficult start probably helped for that as well. But it certainly felt like a very long time since the Bolton game. It was almost like I didn't really count. Our season really started on Saturday. That's kind of how it felt to me, talking to people. Yeah, I mean, I've actually referred to it three or four times as the first game of the season and then I had to backtrack. And we talk about free hits later in the season. So when you win on a Saturday and then your next game's away at Derby and go, it's a free hit, pick anything up. And the first game of the season, now it's gone and now we've picked up wins since, kind of feels like one of those first three hits that we just missed. And you know, Wickham won in midweek. They beat MK Dons, by the way, in midweek. And MK Dons you know, are going to be a strong force in League Two. So I don't think Wickham are mugs by any stretch of the imagination. But there was a, a deep-seated belief that we were going to get something yesterday. And look, optimism's easy. Optimism's the easiest thing in the world to do. It's second probably only to out-and-out out pessimism. You know, being balanced is the hardest thing. But I was getting opinions from people who I think generally tend to be rather balanced. And when you look at our results, actually, against Wickham, since we've come back into the Football League, we've only beaten them once prior to yesterday, and that was um, in March. Other than that, they're always tough games. It's always nil-nil, it's one-all. You know, There was the, the game a couple of seasons ago where I think they battered us and had something like 27 shots on target or on goal or something in the second half. Did Liam Cullen score for us that day, if I remember correctly? Top if, of, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not even going to pretend off, that off I know. Off the top of my I head, I think that, so. He only scored one, and I remember 
the Wickham game and it, it was like there was just balls into the box just constantly, yeah. wasn't it? Um, but I can't I can't remember the actual score in that and, one. Yeah, and some of the players, the, the players that were around for that are still in this team, by the way. The likes of Gareth McCleary, who yeah, I rated. I know he only came on as a substitute yesterday. So but look, we're not a Wickham podcast, we're a Lincoln City podcast. Team selection, I don't think there was any surprises at all in terms of the starting eleven. Um, if Adam Jackson had been fit, he may have played over uh, TJ Ioma. But TJ, by the way, was excellent. Um, so yeah. it was pretty much... And it, it's not also nice at the moment to go into a game roughly knowing what your best eleven is, but not because the players outside of your best eleven are, for want of a better word, shit. And that was kind of proven, and we're going to obviously touch on this later, with with the triple change that Mark Handy made midway through the second half. Triple change, you've got three players of equal quality of the players that came up, which is something, realistically, we didn't have that much ability to do last season, and, and for a few seasons, really. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So anyway... We got sat first game of the season. We were sitting in the stands um, and it looked like October. The wind was <laughs> strong. The rain came in. I thought that suited Wickham for the first 20 minutes. And I thought the first 20 minutes were was a tough watch, even for a neutral. And I thought we had a, a shaky start. They could have scored early doors. Uh, and when you watch the replay back, it's two players going for the same header. Maybe a little bit of miscommunication, a little bit of early season kind of jitters. They conceded two goals really early last week um, and the penalty as well. They were 2-0 down outside, inside for like four or five minutes, I think. Had we conceded at that point, I think our game plan goes out the window like theirs had to against Exeter last week. So Lucas Jensen was the cause of discussion around me for most of the game. He was the main talking point in that uh, he kicks too hard or people are just not quite sure of his handling, which I felt was harsh. Because I said to one guy, you've seen him play for... Uh, you know, an hour against Rotherham or whatever. You've seen him play for 90 minutes in a friendly and now you're judging him. He's like, oh, yeah, it's just a feeling I get. Uh, it's incredibly harsh. I think so. Incredibly harsh against him. So, Dad, if you're listening, Chris basically says you're a bellend. Um, (laughs) No, (laughs) he doesn't really. Um, But actually watching... No, no, I wouldn't dare either. And he's 70 years old. Um, Watching that save back, Joe, it's nearly a good finish. And he's got to be, he makes himself big and he saves with his feet. And that really keeps us, I'm not going to say keeps us in a game, but you go 1-0 down against Wickham Wanderers, you're going to struggle to break them down, I think. If they've got nothing to play for, they don't need to go forward, they don't need to attack. They're going to be a massive unit to break down. So that was really as critical, in my opinion, as goals number two and three. Yeah, I think, because when I watched it live, I thought that said, he's missed a sitter there. He's missed an absolute that they have to score. And then looking back, Jensen's made a, it's a really good save to get across because it's, it's a quite a good finish. Strikers are taught to shoot back across the goal when it's come across from one side, go back across the other way to kind of wrong foot the goalkeeper. The only criticism would be if it was a you know half a yard more elevated, it would be it'd be a goal. But it's a he's done the right thing. Jensen's just done really well to get across, make himself big and make a save. But that was a massive opportunity for Wickham. Like you say, if they do go a goal up, it makes it much more difficult for us. I do think it's early enough in the game for us to not have to significantly change our game plan. We can went 2-0 down within five minutes on Saturday. That massively means you have to change your game plan. If you go 1-0 down in the first five, you haven't got to change too much early doors. You get, you're getting a one back before half time. it's 1-0, and then it's effectively 0-0 again, isn't it? But I think you're right, because because it is Wickham. If they did go a goal ahead, they, they seemed quite difficult to break down in the first half anyway. Multiply that by N. And it is going to be more difficult. So it was, a, it was a big moment. But if I'm completely honest, I think that's the only real time in the whole 90 minutes that, that I felt threatened by them at all. Yeah, I think so. I, th- I felt threatened whenever they got a set piece. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that is a good um, point. And they had and they, more of them in the first half because the wind was incredibly strong. Obviously, we, we yeah. struggled to get out with a, with kind of long clearances. The wind held, held the ball up and we can be able to get forward more readily in that. In in that in that first half because of the conditions, I don't feel like they had a lot of uh, many patterns to their play. Really, I think they, they had the ball on the deck a lot more than they they did it under Ainsworth, but only in the first third. It's almost like they they tried to play out, went into the midfield, went back to their back line, ran out of ideas, and then just went long like they always used to. Yeah. So I feel like they're just like that first step of changing, but they haven't quite got those patterns yet. But when the conditions were as they were, and you get a set piece, they're always going to be a threat from them. 
Yeah, I mean, I heard people say, I thought we were a big side. Have you seen what they've got at the back kind of thing? Um, and it was interesting, Mark Kennedy commenting about Pauly O'Connor mm-hmm. going, he's not going to win his headers against Sam Vokes, or he's not going to win 50% of his headers against Sam Vokes. So we were letting, stepping off and letting Vokes bring it down and lay it off. Um, the big question, I think, that you and I posed, and we weren't on the podcast on Thursday, was what, what are Wickham going to look like? And I think we had a conversation about this at some point. Are they going to still be long? Are they going to try and play differently? I felt that they were an inverted Gareth Ainsworth. So with Gareth Ainsworth, they got the ball at the back, they hoofed it long, they brought it down in the final third, and then they played some nice football. And they did. They had some good attacking players. And I keep going back to McCleary. They had um, Adam, can't remember his name now. Phillips. No, that no. they Killian That's Phillips a guy, yesterday. A guy last on, season, Mechme or something. Like oh, that. the one that they sold to Bristol City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's him. That's him. Um, so they had some good players when, when they can bring it down in the final third. What they were doing here was they were bringing it down in the opening third and then they were just pumping it long and looking for the flick-ons, pumping it on and looking. There wasn't the bringing it down and trying to be technical, in my opinion, in the final third. When the wind was against us, it still made it really difficult because that ball could fly anywhere and more often than not it did. And I thought Sean... It goes without saying, by the way, that Pordy O'Connor was excellent. That goes that goes without saying. If I'm if I'm picking out the other two centre halves in this first twenty minutes, it's not I'm not singling them out over Pordy. I'm singling them out because um, because of, of of kind of the way that they performed and the question not the question marks but the points that they needed to prove. Sean Rowan needs to settle in at the left sided centre half. We all say it's his his, his favourite position. We need to see that on a regular basis. TJ got a lot to prove after two tough seasons. So those two in particular impressed me in that first 20 minutes, dealing me with too. that aerial threat, dealing with those balls. Yeah, I, I, I put the whole game. Um, yeah. Uh, TJ, yeah, I think I was I was massively impressed by Sean Rowan. I just yeah. thought he looked incredibly calm. He, he, won his, he won so many of his battles and he was strong. And he made good decisions and his ball forward for um, the, kind of the, the pass before the assist... Um, I guess that was, oh, we're going to come on to it. Um, but I, I saw at the corner of my eye, I saw Mandrew's running behind us. Oh, I wonder if Sean's seen that. And then just as I looked the other side, the ball was in the air. Like, oh, he's seen it. And then, of course, we all know what happened after that. I just thought Sean Rowan, like you said, there's, there's no question mark over him. We all know it's his best position, but he's less established than yeah, and he's got to than, show it. Than Pordy. Yeah. And he, he looked every inch a League One left side centre half yesterday against a team that's going to put, you know, really ask a lot of questions of him physically. I think. Both him and TJ stood up to those challenges impeccably, really. Yeah, they did. And it's you know, on, on the way out, and again, we'll come on to it, but on the way out, because this first 20 minutes, we're going to talk about defence. On the way out of the ground, Dad said to me, we didn't miss Regan Paul today, did we? And this is the type of game that if you were going to really... And we will miss him, by the way, at certain points this season. But this is the game where if you were going to miss him fundamentally, not just on a game-by-game game, every so often basis, but fundamentally as part of the entire defensive setup, this is where it was going to be exposed for me. This was where you need that kind of bodies on the line. And I thought we saw TJ 2021 season, not TJ the last two seasons. And yeah, that bodes well because TJ Ioma is a very, very good footballer. A very good footballer. And he is a warrior and he is a battler and he, he can play out from the back. And with Sean Rowan as well, two young defenders on either side of, of Portia. I just thought for that first 20 minutes when the game could have gone either way, and I've used the word attritional. It was it was a war. It was a battle. They had all of the. They had it in their favour with the wind and the rain and everything. But I just felt that we we coped admirably with what was thrown at us, and we soaked up anything little that they did have until they were gifted something by. And we'll talk about him for now and get it out of the way. Their twelfth man in the first half, Mister hmm. Herkseg, because I thought he was very very poor. In the, first, in the first half, particularly, yeah. yeah. Second half, we didn't really notice him quite so much, yeah. Because he favoured just... us in the second half more than them. <laughs> no, honestly. Well, well, you never notice that, do you, as a fan? Well, no, I you anyway, don't exactly. You only notice it when it goes against you. Um, but yeah, well, you, we were obviously messaging in the game. Um, just we often have kind of now and then messages when there's a break in play, and, and both was like the sodding referee again. You know, first home game, you want a, a good ref. There's one thing that I've that's really annoyed me so far, and it's not just Lincoln games. It's every match I've seen so far. There's obviously been a host of rule changes. Most of them I agree with. Um, all of them I agree with, to be honest, bar the stupid technical area one. And of course, one of those new rule changes was kind um, of more allowance of physical play. I think it's a bit silly bringing that in and then bringing in harsher punishments for dissent at the same time. I think that's just counterintuitive. Yeah. But ultimately, you think, okay, so the amount of times I was saying in the first half, 
I've seen no evidence of this allowance of more physical play anywhere. There were so many really, really innocuous tackles that yeah, you, you kind of expect as, as fouls last season in the last five or six years that they just kind of get become part of the game. Those kind of like from like a manager's perspective, you ask your team to, to can you buy me a free kick? Can you take the pressure off a team? Can you win a foul? And you know, you kind of go down easily, but you've been touched, so it's kind of a foul. My perception of those rule changes were that those kind of niggly ones are gonna be kind of allowed to carry on now. No evidence of that whatsoever, not just in Lincoln games, in any game I've seen so far. And that was annoying me because I was kind of thinking, well, surely that's got to be allowed now. Or if that's allowed, then the one that he did blow up for has got to be, and yeah. so on. And it was just really inconsistent and it was incredibly frustrating. But I can't, I always get frustrated at the referees. So, you know, I probably, probably I try not that much foundation to it. I try not to, but I felt that there was the, the moment, there was two moments that infuriated me. The first one was he gave a free kick against Rico Hackett when there was three or four players on Hackett and he yeah, was the only gave it player. The other way. Yeah. yeah, and he gave it the and it's like what well, so Hackett has simultaneously fouled two or three players at once. And then there was the Ben House penalty shout. Now we'll talk about it because great ball, by the way, from Danny Mandrew. Well, yeah. how many times once are we going to say that this season? Yeah. Um, and I know you're going to come on to pull me up on something I said at halftime, so we can debate that in a moment. Um, so great, great ball from Andrew. House has gone through. Tackle goes in. I'm up on my feet. Penalty, what are you doing, ref? And then I sit down and Matt says, Matt, Sue sit next to me, Matt voices. Um, I don't think that was a penalty. I went, no, neither do I really. I, was, I, I changed my mind as soon as I got on my feet. I've watched it back. Penalty for me all day long. <laughs> That's so weird. Because Joe, who I sit next to, and, and me had almost the exact same reaction. He was up shouting, screaming. And my initial thought was, nah, that's not a penalty. That's a little bit soft. He's gone, kind of gone down. Not gone down easily, but it's just a kind of coming together. And then watch the highlights back and go, bloody hell, that was a pen. I should have been more angry about that. Yeah. And, and the thing is, do you know what? If it's a pen, it's a red card. Because there's no attempt to play the ball. It's, it's body into Ben House to push him over. So that double jeopardy doesn't count because there's no attempt to try and play the ball. So And, and look, it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. But had it been nil-nil and this was the talking point, I think that we would have been in, you know, we would have been in a little bit of a different position, wouldn't we? So, mm-hmm. um, but people saying Ben House goes down too easily. I don't think so. I think he had a, I think he had a rough time against a couple of their centre halves. I think he did really well. I think, but he yeah. didn't get many clear cut opportunities. But he was playing against three centre halves. Yeah. I think he, he he brought a down ball down where he looked after the ball well. He brought his teammates back into play. He had a couple of opportunities. One he got a shot away, and of course one where he almost won the penalty. I don't. Yeah, I, at the time I thought he'd gone down easily. Watching it back, I don't think he has. I think he's he's running at full pelt. He gets a strong nudge, arguable foul, and he yeah. falls over because it's an enormous. He's not off. balance. It's, it's, it's knocked you over. Yeah, and that happens. Um, like in the moment, it's you know everyone has a different opinion, and it's a Lincoln City player getting what we perceive to be fouled. So the majority of the stadium is going to be up in arms. Turns out that was actually the right reaction, um, even though that a couple of us maybe weren't up in arms at the time. But like you say, it, it, in the end, it didn't mean anything, but it could have done. Trying too hard to be balanced, aren't we? There, I should just be a little bit more one-sided. I should have stuck, stuck to my guns and sat down and said to Matt, no, you're wrong, but um, I didn't. So there we go. So we'll get on to it. Half-time, I sent your message. Uh, I haven't got the exact wording here. Oh, oh you it. have got the exact wording. That's handy. That's uh, When I say handy, I mean disappointing, but from a viewer's, uh, a listener's perspective, handy. Uh, and by the way, this it's a, it's a there was a there's a couple of stories come out of it. So while you're looking for that, I had a misunderstanding on WhatsApp with my mate Dave. So I was meant to oh, meet I've heard Dave. about this. Yeah, so I was meant to meet Dave for breakfast, and he messaged me and said, "I'll meet you for breakfast. I don't know if I'm meeting Matt after." And I glanced at it in the middle of doing something and thought he said, "You'll meet you after breakfast." So I sent him a message back and saying, "You can join us if you want," but he didn't join us. Misunderstanding on WhatsApp. But the crucial point is that I did say back to him he could come for breakfast. So this now applies to what you're about to say, if you ever find it, it's taking you ages. Do you know how to use WhatsApp? Um, so this applies back to um, what you, what I said to you, because I do point out that Danny Mandroyo was very good in the first half. Quote Gary Hutchinson, 15.56 on Saturday, the 12th of August. Mandroyo so good and so frustrating in equal measure. Right. Now, let me defend myself first of all. I meant so frustrating because... Whenever he got on the ball, he looked dangerous. 
When he gets on the ball, you know that he's going to be able to do something. He has delivery that I likened in my article to Pete again, and that's no, there's no idle boast. If I'm likening someone to Pete again, he's a good footballer because Pete again for me was the benchmark when I was a younger person. But there was times where there was a ball on and whether he dwelt a little bit, whether he was just hanging fire to wait for something a little better. And I'm thinking probably two occasions where it could have gone overlap to Jaden Brown. And actually Brown was getting a little bit of joy down that left flank at times when he got on the ball. And it was that that was frustrating. It was just those moments where I was just like, oh, if he only had released it earlier. It wasn't a criticism. It was an observation. (laughs) <laughs> Go on, the thing is, me up I, on it. I'm I, happy. No, well, this you know, proof is in the pudding second half, isn't it? You know, he 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 was outstanding and he was outstanding for the whole yeah. for the whole night, but obviously particularly second half, because those things that he did do, they came off. Um I just like his desire to get on the ball. He always wanted the ball and he's always found himself in five yards of space. Yeah. I, I that's that's what I'm most impressed with. I get I completely get your point, genuinely, about the fact that there was a couple of it's not even bad decisions. It's just a delayed decision, maybe. Just moments, yeah. Yeah, moments, yeah just those seconds. little moments. Yeah. But on the whole, I thought it was really threatening. And again, you saw enough flashes in the first half. I think if we're going to get something from here, Danny Manjoyo is going to find a, find a pass, going to find a through ball, going to find a cross, going to get a shot away. And then, hence, obviously... Hence. Starting with so good, just he did. Yeah, you did say he's been so good. Like, it's fine. I wasn't gonna. I wasn't actually gonna bring this up at all. You brought it up. Uh, yeah. Then, well, it's uh... only because before the game in Gwyns, Matt said the only issue with you and Chris on the podcast is that you don't disagree enough. He goes, "You want a Simon Jordan and an Eddie Hearn arguing with each other. That's what you want on the podcast." Well, they just disagree for the sake of disagreeing. I will disagree with you if I do. It's just that we just tend to have the same opinion more often than not. No, I get your point. I didn't think he was frustrating, but I understood where you're coming from. I saw so, the positive more and the negative in the first half performance. And then I was, of course, proven right in the second half. So we're 20, <laughs> we're 20 minutes in to a 3-0 victory uh, and we haven't covered a goal as yet. So <laughs> good point. the second half, the sun came out and I, I, don't, I don't want to sound like I'm kind of loading plaudits onto the team unnecessarily, but there was only one team in it. We utterly dominated uh, from start to finish. And we made Wickham look, to me, um, like a bottom-end League Two side with how we played. Because whenever we got on the ball, you felt that we might be able to create, we might be able to press forward. There was a a Danny Mandroyu shot low to the keeper's right, which was an easy save, but it was the early knockings of, here we go. Uh, And then, I mean, do you know what? It's, It's easy and lazy to say, let's talk about the Danny Mandroyu show, because he was involved in all of the goals. But I thought every single player who had a role in the attack from the 45th minute to the end of the game, even those that came off, were exemplary. Um, It's easy to come on to the substitutes, but I thought, obviously, that was a catalyst. But for me, Rico Hackett was probably only an assist off challenging Mandrew for man of the match throughout. I thought he was a threat in the first half. I thought he was excellent in the second half as well. Um, And then it was him that popped up with the goal. Yeah, I thought it was a good point to, to mention Hackett. I thought he was probably him and him and Mandrew were the were the top two performers in the first half as well as the second half. And of course Mandrew got the headlines in the seconds. But yeah, I think Rico's ability to get receive the ball and to get out of tight spaces was really impressive. I think we saw that a lot in the first half, more the second half. There was more space for him to play in, in the second half, which we'll touch on to as to why in a second. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you. I think I think he was I think he was excellent. And also showed his versatility by putting in at wing back as well when last went off. One thing that Matt said to me um, was the way that Hackett played and moved reminded him of Jude Bellingham. So, <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a, that's some comparison. So there we go. Well, uh, well, Rico Hackett snuck in at the and that was in the first half, by the way, not the second half. Um, look, I thought that the goal, the opening goal, was very good. Um, obviously, Ted Bishop came on, and I want to talk a little bit about Ted, but we'll do it when we pick up on his goal. So Bishop came on, he's delivered the cross, it's dealt with relatively straightforward. But Mark Kennedy said we're working on recycle, recycle. You get the ball back in the box quick. That's how you create multiple chances. Is you keep that pressure on, you don't give him a chance to regroup. And Mandroyu, look, his, his, his delivery to other players is as good as his accuracy when he's shooting a goal. I mean, he's a special footballer. I said it at the beginning of the season. I stand by it. I said it when we signed him. We both did, I think. Even before mm-hmm. he signed, when yeah. we were talking to Stephen Bradley, we said, if we can get that Danny Mandroyu, he'll be, he'll be a good player. But we didn't call him Mandroyu then because we didn't know how to pronounce it. Um, pinpoint, pass back into the box and hack it, right place, right time. 
Yeah, good, good, just a really good goal, wasn't it? I think there's a couple of contributing factors to that because we, we haven't mentioned the three substitutes that happened. Um, so Mark Kennedy made a triple change on 64 minutes, yep. which is uh, really, really bold because particularly for Brown, who had a, had a good game, and uh, I think Mark Kennedy mentioned in the, his interview afterwards that Jaden kind of asked, what did I do wrong? And Mark said, nothing, mate, like nothing wrong, just bringing fresh yep. legs. And it's just nice to have the ability to do that. And I thought I thought Burroughs did incredibly well um, when he came on at both flanks, but particularly on the left flank to, to, to cover from... Uh, cover Brown Hamilton coming off made sense because he was on the booking, and of course bringing more of a footballer on, more of a ball player on in terms of Ted, which really did help in that situation. And then you, you bring Tyler Walker on for for Ben House, and it's just fresh legs, different style of, of striker. Um, but there was actually another contributing factor that happened four minutes before our changes, which I think did have an impact, and it was Wickham's changes. So Wickham were playing three-five-two uh, for the first hour of the game. Dale Taylor and Sam Bokes up top. And then on the hour mark, they made two changes. They brought McCleary on, and I forget the other player they bring on, but they, they, they changed shape to a to match us up in a 3-4-3. What that meant is that they then, because they were playing a low block, so they didn't really engage with us at all until we entered their half, which is you know, it's not pretty, but it's fine. It's fair enough. A lot of teams do it. We did it at times last season. Um, and it made sense to me, think, oh, they're going to try and get a bit of a foothold in the game now. We've dominated the first 15 minutes of the second half. They're going to try and max, max us up, match us up, try and put a bit more pressure on our back line. They're going to go man for man in there. But if we can find some space in midfield, they've taken effectively what they've done is taken a, a man out of their three man midfield, put them in the front line. Made sense kind of tactically if you've been on front foot. And they just didn't engage. They, they, they still didn't engage our back line. And what that meant is there was extra space in the midfield for the likes of Mondrew, for the likes of Ted, who was then pushing forward from his deeper position to go and exploit that extra space that was left. So Wickham change on 60 minutes. On 64 minutes, Mark Kennedy makes his triple substitution. And then on 67 minutes, we score our first goal. I think both of those things had, they all they all played a part in that. Um, we want to absolutely credit Mark Kennedy, but I do feel Wickham's shape change negatively affected them and was a, a, a benefit to us. And from a Wickham's perspective, from that point, um, I, I think... What you said in the first half, they they they'll be they could be fine. They they go hard to beat. They have some certainly in the first twenty minutes. They had a threat, but from going a goal down, I thought they were really poor. They didn't. They seemed beaten after the first goal had gone in. To be honest, yeah, I agree. I, I think as a Wickham fan, specifically a two 0 you'd be really worried because there was no desire to get back in the game. They looked beaten already, and we we could pick them up at well at that point. But yeah, at, at sixty seven minutes. One, they look, everyone's elated. And it's nothing less than we deserved because the, it wasn't just because of those three substitutions. We were the better team for that first 15 minutes of the second half. We were making some, creating some openings. But after that first goal, the, the floodgates opened somewhat. Yeah. You see, I was surprised because I thought Wickham's changes actually would positively impact them because I keep going on about McCleary, but I've liked him. thought he was a monster two seasons ago when he came to us. And the other boy they brought on, I think, was Shrewsbury's Young Player of the Year last season. I think he's on loan. Is it Killian Phillips? So it, it was looking like they wanted to bring a little bit of energy um, and, and, and efficiency kind of to their attack, as you say. Um, the second really killed the game off, as, mm-hmm. as, as again, as you say. And I think we had a conversation at half time about if Wickham score, the game finishes 1-0. If we score, the game could finish 2-0, 3-0, something like that. And it, you know, it, it was double quick. Obviously, Lass had to go off before the second goal. And I think that was really interesting because, as you say, Rico had to go left wing back, didn't want to play there. And it's interesting that a lot of players seem to have told the manager where they do and don't want to play. Rico Hackett don't want to play left wing back. Ted Bishop don't want to play wide of a three up top. Sean Rowan don't want to play. Do you know what I mean? But he's made those changes. He's put those players into positions they don't want to play in and actually did really well. Jack Burroughs comes on on the left, switches over to the right, met the double quick time. Tyler Walker's involvement yesterday, he didn't get a goal. To my memory, he didn't get an assist, but he actually had a really busy afternoon. Um I was really impressed with Tyler. And you know what? I think we've got a slightly different Tyler Walker than what I was expecting. Yes. Uh, because my oh, mentality my of Tyler Walker was the guy that runs channels all the time. He's always looking for that ball in behind. His hold-up play was outstanding. Yes. Playing into him, bringing his teammates into play. He won a couple of flick-on headers as well. I just thought with his back to goal, you know, when, he, when he's playing a lone striker against the back three, you kind of have to do that at times. And he was just brilliant at it. And it's just not what I was expecting at all from Tyler Walker. And I was really, really impressed with him. And I wanted nothing more than for him to get a goal. And it, obviously, he almost did. It was offside. Um, I actually thought he'd scored the first one. I thought he'd got the, a header in 
but obviously it just evaded Walker and Rico tapped it away, didn't he? But uh, yeah, I wanted nothing more than for Tyler Walker to score in the second half. And he could have got the second one because um, memory serves Rowan Mandroyu. Now look, Mandroyu, <laughs> I'm, I'm literally dribbling here mm-hmm. because uh, there's bacon in the kitchen. Um, but Rowan's ball, you talked about seeing that run. Mandroyu brings it down with one touch, lets it bounce and crosses with his second. And do you know what? The, the skill, I think, involved in that, the technical ability that Danny Mandroyu has, in my opinion, has no place in League One. Um, the way he brought it down and delivered that ball was superb. Tyler Walker would have scored that goal had Ted Bishop not popped up and put it in. I'm not talking about Tyler. I'm going to talk about Ted very, very briefly um, yep. because he got his goal. He got the cross in for the first one. Um, memory serves. He got the assist for the third. Yeah, and he had that one-on-one where he almost got a second goal. As well. He had the one-on-one as well. We wrote Ted Bishop off. Yep. We yeah, wrote we him off in the summer. And when we were talking about who are the 11 are, and we're talking one for one, you're thinking, well, I don't really know. Is Ted central midfield? Is he going to be here? Is he going to be there? He's been injured. Yeah, I even said to people privately, had Ted been out of contract this summer, I think he, he may have been released. Um, to see him even coming on, I'm sitting in the stands thinking, well, why haven't we brought Ali Smith on? Surely that's it's Ali Smith's role, isn't it? That's that's where he's going to play. Ted came on and he was dynamite and, and you know, he, he's had to swap positions. He's got in for his goal. It wasn't unlike one that he scored against Fleetwood, I think, last season. And actually, his performance was very reminiscent of Fleetwood last season where we went 2-0 up and he absolutely bossed the uh, game, uh, the, the whole game. If that's the Ted Bishop that we've got for, I'm going to say, 30 games this season. So I'm giving him a third of the season off with his injuries. If that's the Ted Bishop we've got for 30 games, coming off the bench, starting certain games, um, in my eyes, it feels a little bit like a new signing when in reference to how we've been breaking the squad down because it feels like something we haven't considered. I haven't considered that Ted Bishop um, and he was excellent. Yeah, absolutely. I was, I was really pleased to see it um, because it, it's, it's nice to be proven wrong when it's in, in the benefit of Lincoln City, isn't it? Uh, and I think it made sense bringing him on once in, in context, like, oh, okay, well, they've, they've lost the midfielder now. And if he can break forward, he's, he's more of a ball player than Hamilton. Hamilton's really good at breaking up play. His work ethic is excellent. I think we've seen enough of that. He's a he's a workhorse that can sit next to Erehan, who, who breaks up play really well. What you've got with Ted is a very different style of player that plays in the same position. And he gets forward when he can, but he finds a pass. He's good on the ball. And it's exactly what you wanted when you're trying to break a team down. And so it came to pass. And yeah, I, I was delighted. I was surprised, just like you were, but of course delighted about it. And it makes me just think we're just that little bit more solid. Because I also had forgotten about the fact that Rika could play left wing back. So I'm never thinking, oh my God, we're going to get onto the fact that Jay Ben's going out on loan. I thought, well, if Jack Burroughs is in there as a backup left wing back for Jaden, yes, I know he could play on the right as well, but that's Lass's position. Uh, we're kind of just forgetting about the fact we have actually got wing back cover if we need it. Obviously, you wouldn't want to start with Rico there. But it clearly was something that Mark Kennedy was aware of. And it was like, right, you go there, you go there, you go there. Because on the stands, once Lass got injured, we kind of think, oh, typical. We have one nil up, just scored. Everything's going well. Of course, we pick up an injury. That's just typical of Lincoln City's look. And we were trying to, well, who's going to go where? Who's going to go where? But, oh, is TJ going to go right wing back? Is Sean going to come left wing back? And then we bring Jacko on. And, but that just then disrupts your back line. And what we realised is, yeah, you put Rico there. But the rest of the squad, that, that kind of spine, as you've mentioned countless times throughout um, our pre-season and early season, that, that spine remained intact. And I think that was, to, a re- that was a really big point. I'm going to have to pick up on that because Pete Summers is listening and he'll go, well, Jacko was injured. How could we bring him on? Oh, bollocks. Yeah, good point. <laughs> it's all right, Ben. Don't worry. Um, right, anyway. <laughs> so, look, I, you know, that aside, the, the point stands... Because actually, when Jacko is good, the point the point stands, <laughs> and it's the same if we bring a central defender on in on loan, and that generally we have good spread, but we have versatility within that. And you don't want to go into a season going, well, our left wing back cover is Rico Hackett, but if you go into the season going, our left wing back cover is Jack Burrows, our left wing back is Jaden Brown, but we can play Rico Hackett there, we can play Ted Bishop there, or and the same at right wing back, we can play such and such there. So the point stands. But the stupid thing is that last week against Bolton, we were saying, well, it just looks we'd look a little bit thin in certain areas. We've signed one player since then in Jack Burrows. And all of a sudden people go, well, it's nice to have the depth on the bench now, isn't it? We've signed one player. Yeah, but the thing is, it's kind of two players because he can play both roles. 
and he did. And he was a per- it was it was a perfect ex- ex- example of it because he played both roles yeah. on Saturday. Came on the sixty-minute mark, played what ten minutes or not even that at left wing back, and was good. He had good flashes even in that five minutes. Then shifted over to the right side and looked every inch as good. You know what really impressed me about Jack Boris, and it was something that Mark Haney made a point of as well when we signed him. He's very much two-footed. So there was one instance when he played left wing back, he cut inside on his right foot and crossed the ball. It wasn't the best cross, but he cut inside. The point remains, he's not always going on the left-hand side like Jaden was. Jaden had a good game. It's just a different threat to try and deal yeah. with. But then on the right, when he went right wing back, there was an instance where he went on the outside and got a cross in. There was also an instance he cut in on his left foot and got a cross in. It's so hard to defend when you don't know which side to show <laughs> show, defend, to show the player that you're playing against. And it's, uh, um, I remember he said that he asked... Mark Haley asked Jack, what foot would you take a penalty with? And he goes, mm, uh, I think I'd probably take it with my right foot. Like, yeah. how can you not know? Like, that's that's someone that's genuinely two-footed to have, you know, really have to think about it. Because my foot is just for standing on when I play. That's all it's there for. You know, I'm very Thanks much right-footed. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that really impressed me. And it, it lets me to know that, you know, if, if Lassie is out, hopefully he's not out long. He was walking around at the end, wasn't he? So hopefully he's, he's nothing too serious for Lassie. But let's say he misses the game against Northampton. We've got a ready-made replacement we can fill in. Jaden Brown is injured or needs a rest. We've got a ready-made replacement we can fill in for him. Jack Burroughs is going to play a lot of football this season. And we've got three top-quality wing-backs there. But we've actually got both players, both sides covered with three players. So 2-0 became 3-0. Not very quickly, but I mean, we, we, yeah, we dominated after that, I think. I can't remember where Tyler's disallowed goal came, whether it was before or after the third. Um, but either way, Tyler has one disallowed. Ted goes one-on-one, good effort, half-decent effort saved. I liked the final goal, and I think it was a typical Lincoln City uh, under Mark Kennedy goal in that there was a ball forward from O'Connor. And and look, let's differentiate now between the long balls that O'Connor and Rowan have played for the goals and the long balls that Wickham were playing in the first 20 minutes because Wickham's long balls were get it into the mixer, we'll win a header and pick up the seconds. The long balls that we were played were very targeted long balls looking for a specific player, both of the times into feet rather than head. Um, so it's, I think it's an O'Connor out. It's Tyler Walker with that hold-up play that... Yep. Obviously, we didn't expect. It was a little flick. Ted, again. And then Danny, I mean, do you know what? I felt for Tyler because Ted gets the ball from his flick. Tyler's made a great run. He's in acres of space. A defender starts coming across. The ball goes to Tyler. He has an effort at goal. He's a striker. You know, maybe one in three times he scores. He doesn't get the ball. It goes to Danny Mandroyo. All of them seem to converge. Tyler's in acres of space. And Danny Mandroyo shifts it and puts it in the bottom corner. And he, the thing is, Danny Mandroyo then turns, runs towards Tyler, and then just turns and runs away from him. And I'm just thinking, <laughs> poor old Tyler. He's, do you know what I mean? He's had one disallowed. He's had one pin nicked off his feet almost by Ted Bishop. And that's not to say it was pin. And he, he, he's helped create this one as well. Um, but, you know, it was the it was Mandroyo's finish that was just pinpoint. Sublime. Yeah. At nil-nil, I think they might just have closed him down a tiny bit quicker. I think they were just beaten at that stage. Yeah, well, we, we were covering super... them open at will at two and yeah. they were they looked lost to be honest. And as a Wickham fan, I'd be really worried with once it went to two 0 particularly at two 0 how Wickham responded. They, there was space everywhere. They weren't yeah. pressing as high, yet there was still space everywhere. And there was one time we attacked, and I counted um, six Wickham, uh, seven Wickham players, sorry, ahead of the ball, and no one was sprinting back. You just they were just beaten. Yeah. So. Yeah, we have to, I think, you know, it's so easy to get carried away. It's a brilliant win. It's a morale-boosting win. That's two in a row now, obviously, not counting the cup and then this. Without conceding the cup. There's so many positives, there really are. But Wickham got beat heavily in the first game of the season. Their reaction to going a goal down and two goals down today was worrying. They are going to be, certainly in the early part of the season, I think they're going to be, they're going to really struggle. So we can't get carried away. But you can only beat what's in front of you, and we beat him convincingly. And there's some, yeah, that's just a real positive. And it lets us go into the game on Tuesday with a bit of a spring in our step, I think. Yeah, I think so. I don't think that they were as bad as they would need to be to go down. Um, but I look, Brandon Hanlon came on on 79 minutes, missed it. And he was a player we were linked with a couple of years ago, missed it, did nothing. I thought the players that come on in McCleary and Phillips, both capable of doing something, nothing. You know, Keogh, Scowan, Vokes. Do you know what? They're the sort of names that two years ago you would look at in League One and go, oh, they'll be thereabouts. Yeah. But 
League One feels very different to me as it did two or three years ago. It feels to me now that there are more unknown quantities. There are more clubs that are picking up players from either around League Two or they're picking up kind of players that you haven't really heard of prior to that. Ethan Arahan, Danny Mandroyu, there are are 95% of League One fans wouldn't have known who they were until we signed them. And now they're key players for us. And it just feels to me like there's a little bit of a shift in tide. And Dale Taylor and and Killian Phillips kind of fit into that with Wickham. Yeah, they do, yeah. But that old guard for me is is both enough to keep them up, but not enough to keep them out of the bottom eight, maybe nine, in my opinion. Mm. Um, and, and their tactics are weak as well. So anything else yeah, you would like to was... mention about Wickham? Uh, yeah, well, actually, I, I, I think I'm, I'm going to disagree with you a, a tad in that I think they could be dragged into that relegation battle on, on what I've seen. I, your point is, individually, they do have the players that can keep them out of it. It was their reaction to conceding the goal which was really worrying. Not worrying. I liked it, of course. We remember yeah. it from a Wiccan's perspective. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I was just like, goals do affect people. It, it affects all everyone in the stadium. The whole feeling around that whole match changes with a goal. Of course it does. And you want to see something. And I just didn't at all. Um, I said in terms of their style, they, they feel like they're, they're unfinished. They're, they, most clubs, when they're changing style, you'll generally work in thirds. So the first thing you'll work on is build up in the, how do you work in the in the in your first third? Then once that's kind of nailed, how do you then progress it into the middle third? And then the finishing piece of the jigsaw is is how do you then progress it into the final third? It felt very much that they work they worked on that initial first third, but they haven't. They're just not far enough down their development yet to, to know what to do with it. So they kind of try to play out now and then. They try to play into the centre backs now and then. Went into midfield now and then, but then it went straight back to centre halves. Then it just got pumped forward to Sam Vokes, and there's no difference there really than just doing that in the first action and saving yourself 10 seconds. And I just feel like, I just felt that they, their, their style just, it, I didn't see what patterns they had. I didn't see what patterns they were trying to create. And, but you can also argue on the counter side of that, that did we just stop them? Did we just set up in a way that we blocked up all their, all their passing lanes? We, we, we dealt with the, the aerial threat incredibly well. And then we, we were able to then be able to implement ourselves. So yeah. So uh, I'm kind of backing my prediction pre-season that Wickham would be the surprise strugglers now. Uh, and Fair. I really, I really do, I do, I do think they, they could be down there on the performance of those first two weeks. But there's no reason why, the, you know, transfer window still open, Matt Bloomfield gets his feet under the table, or maybe they make a change. Who knows? Uh, and then Wickham have got the individuals to, to get themselves fine. Uh, but as it stands right now, I think they're in a bit of a concerning position. Well, we are going to have to move on because we are on 40 minutes um, and all we've done is talked about Wickham and we've got some other stuff to talk about. But I did just want to point out that Mark Kennedy mentioned about crosses into the box. Yesterday, we delivered 23 crosses into the box, which is the most we've put in since we beat Bristol Rovers 1-0 at Sinsel Bank uh, at the turn of the year. So I think that's really important. Um, so we'll take a, a short break to hear from our sponsors. I'll whet your appetite, no doubt, with my enthusiastic love of McNuggets and we will be back shortly. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, thank you for that. Sponsors, um, that sponsorship will allow us to sponsor a player, by the way. So that advertising will allow us to sponsor a player next season. More on that once it's paid for. Certainly don't want to make any announcements before we've sorted it. But there is a, a player who we like, who we're going to sponsor. Woo! It's not Jay Ben. Yes, Jay Ben's gone out on loan to Solihull Moors. 
uh, played yesterday, got an assist. I think they won 2-1 at Ebbsfleet, something like that. Um, yeah, correct. Interesting loan for Jay Ben that's obviously started really well. Yeah. I think before we signed Jack Burrows, we expected one of Alicia Ahui and Jay Ben to go out and loan. And I think all of us expected it to be Jay Ben. We thought, well, Ahui's had a really good season, or part of a season at Drogheda. Jay Ben's time in Ireland was kind of cut short a little bit and was a bit stop-start. And we thought, well, he's the one that needs the games more. Ahui goes out on loan to Ayer. So we think, oh, OK, Jay Ben must be in and around the squad. He then gets a few minutes against Notts County on Tuesday. We signed Jack Burrows. So we think, oh, well, that's our backup left wing back sorted. We've got a squad sorted. That's cover for both sides. And then it was a bit of a surprise, actually, for me to see Jay Ben go out. I think it's a good decision. Now, specifically now we've had the proof that we've got cover in, on both those wing back positions anyway now. Um, and he's going to go out and get the games that he needs at a level that he's played at before and can impress at. So, again, probably in a similar position here as maybe... Charlie Kendall, in a way, in that he's got an opportunity now to, to make a real big impression at a level that, he, that should suit him. And he's made a really positive start getting an assist and a win. So good luck to him. I think the point I'd probably make about Ben, my understanding is that the club's still rating very highly. And the reason that he's gone out on loan is that bringing Jack Burroughs in, who offered the flexibility on either flank, would limit Jay Ben's opportunities. And they want Jay Ben to play some football. Lots of people saying, well, he should have been in League Two. He's already done the National League. He played 12 games for Halifax. Mm -hmm. So actually, you know, he's still lots of potential. Where's he going to get more games going into League Two and sitting on the bench or going into the National League and straight away playing for them. Um, Solihull Moor fans really interested in him signing for them because they've got James Clark at right back, who was, I think, one of the strongest performers in the National League last season. So really interesting move. Great, great start for him. Ahui, by the way, started on the bench for air uh, and, and didn't get on yesterday. So I think Ben and Ahui, but yeah, he's, he's interesting. I'm going to be keeping a real close eye on them this season. Great start for Ben. Not so much for Ahui this, this week. Great start for Freddie Draper. I think he made his Walsall debut this week. Um, teed up their goal, uh, one of their goals. I think they, they they scored twice. I can't remember the score. Was it yeah, two, scored, two, or did... two one. They won the beat the big Stockport the, two one. The beat Stockport was a okay, really yeah. big win because Stockport, are, of course, title favourites really pre season. Um, I watched notoriously bad starters. Yeah, good point. But um, yeah, Freddie Draper played up top in a three five two, and he was on the right hand side of that. He pressed their left wing back, so he won the ball back really aggressive, and then then once it kind of the ball was. Three, next a really good ball in, like low cross in for Danny Johnson to, to score the first goal. So well done, Freddie. More of the same, please, mate. It looked like a cross that somebody might put in for the current Lincoln City, actually, as well, because it was a it wasn't a cross as in byline pulled back, was it? It was one of those kind of diagonal forward crosses. And I think it's Danny Johnson who put the ball away, who was mm -hmm. at Mansfield and on loan at Walsall. So yeah, great, great start for Freddie. Brilliant start. And, you know, he's on an upward trajectory. Um, I like him a lot. I like Freddie a lot. And I think that's a great start for him. Um, so we will move on. Well, that's good. We've only got one more thing to talk about now. <laughs> we did that in five minutes. That was really in good In five minutes, we've covered two things. So just off air during the adverts, I said to Chris, and it wasn't aimed at Chris, but, you know, we need to speed ourselves up here. We're a long way behind. And then chuckled and pretended it was... Uh, aimed purely at Chris. So um, let's, I tell you what, let's go to Charlie because Charlie has been speaking to Danny from All Cobblers to Me uh, and he's been talking to him about our upcoming fixture on Tuesday night. I'm Lewis Monsma and you're listening to the Stacey West podcast. Key players for yourself. Who, who have you, who would you kind of pick out as the players that you think are, uh, at the end of the season, these are the people that are going to be spoken about in League, in League One forums or in Championship forums as players that League or Championship sides could look at signing, for example. Mm. Uh, th the, the main one, I would say so far, Mark Leonard. He was yeah. with us last, last season in League Two. Um, Ball-playing midfielder. He's one of those players that will just dictate play. If you've ever... He's on loan from Brighton, so you can even yes. imagine kind of what the <laughs> style is. Um, I think there was some sort of um, like research done last season or something where right. where people were looking for a similar type of player to what Brighton already had, and so there were there's loads of stats gone out about, across the whole league. And Mark Leonard mm. just happened to pop up as the first name that came out with all these all this data that was thrown into computers, and he just so happened to be a Brighton loanee on on loan. Brighton to Brighton don't yeah. still have a player at the age of 21 if if they don't yeah, think he's going to be quality this, enough for them. This so. is very very yeah. true and I, and I think in League 2 Leonard he, he 
he kind of ticks along, but you might not have noticed him as much just because you don't mm-hmm. get as much time on the ball from what I've seen so far and what we've experienced yeah. in the past. Um, in League One, we're getting in the ball a lot more and he's dictating mm-hmm. play quite a bit. So he's the one that I would say out of all of us, he's, he is only on loan. And if it is next season, he goes on loan to a championship club, potentially. I think he was linked to a couple of sort of top-end League One clubs this se- right. this summer as well. Um, he's the one that if you can stop him, which Stephen has figured out quite early, if you if you can yeah. stop the ball going to him and, and stop him from playing, you'll, you'll do well um, because he will make us tick quite well. We've got to keep him fit. Um, well, hopefully the two of our central midfielders can can really fill that role and between the two of them can can man mark him yeah if you, as I say if you get players on him and stop him from getting the ball and yeah. playing then that's that's a job done already and you know hopefully what we'll see is players doubling up on him or whatever and trying to take him out the game and other players need to come and step up and step up their game as well to, to come and fill in um, other than that Sam Hoskins top scorer last season yep uh, amazing season from him last season because he's <laughs> he's never really done it in front of goal for us before last season and John Brady just mm. seems to have got the absolute best out of him over the last couple of years and for him to score 20 plus goals is mad the first first player for about 30 years to score 20 goals in the season for us oh, which wow. is insane okay. and um he kind of drifts in from the left he's not an out and out striker he'll come in from yeah. the left hand side and and uh, nip in and find goals that way so he got his first goal at the weekend um, against Wigan free kick Top corner, have some of that. He he scores penalties, free kicks. He'll, he'll was a very nice, was a very nice goal. I've uh, had a chance to watch that one. It was really nice. Yeah, so he, he just seems to have come of age. The last he needs thirty now, but he seems to have properly stepped mm. into it under Brady. And sometimes you get that with managers, don't you? That of course, some, for, for whatever reason, a manager clicks with a player, and he and he's just kicked on. So yeah, quality from him. And um, yeah, Tyree Simpson, probably the last one I'd say, who yep. could potentially be a game changer at this level. He's coming on loan from Huddersfield. He's done the business for Swindon a couple of seasons back. And I noticed him a couple of years ago and I've, kept, I've been talking about him on the podcast for about two <laughs> years now and I've not I've not made people... And so it's just so funny that he's just come in and actually signed for us um, to keep him fit, get him firing. I think he'll he'll do good things because he's got, he's got something a little bit different, I think, and a little bit game-changing about him that he can power past defenders and we'll give, he mm. gave Wigan's defenders quite a rough time at the weekend. Um He'll get on the ball. He'll spray passes out, and you just you can tell that he's got that little bit of extra quality about him that some of the forwards might not have. No, it, it's funny you kind of mentioned the, the sort of the irony and the fact that obviously you mentioned him a lot, and then the club end mm. up do actually signing him. Um, we did a we did a podcast few few weeks back now, probably over a month ago, um, about because we had a striker spot still to fill, and. Mm. Uh, Tyler Walker, who ended up being the player that we signed, was mentioned as one of the options. Dale mm. Taylor, who ended up going to Wickham, was one of the other options. And then what, the one I picked was uh, Mika Biareth, who mm. uh, is an Arsenal youngster. He went out to, uh, it was in the Eredivisie last season, and mm. has just today made his debut for Motherwell, or, I think on loan, um, and got a golden assist. So I felt very, very, very smug when I sort of, <laughs> that was my pick and he <laughs> obviously gone off and uh, and started doing well somewhere else, which, yeah, it's always a, it's always a funny little irony in that. Um, yeah. So you sort of mentioned with uh, Sam Hoskins, just trying to bring him mm. back on track, <laughs> and <laughs> mentioning with Sam Hoskins that he, uh, that he can sort of cut in from like the left-hand side and he's not necessarily an out-and-out striker. So mm. are you... Uh, does your team play in a kind of a front three? Do you, do you play with wingers? What what kind of formation are we expecting you to line up in? Yeah, so we, we've gone to a three five two mainly this season. So we'll play okay. with um with wing backs and Hoskins will be slightly yeah. more infield than he was last season. It is uh-huh. he played last season more in a four, two, three, one, so he'd be on the left of the three up front. Right. But now yeah. he's is slightly more inside this season so far. I mean he played right wing back for some of the game at in the first day of the season, but that was just due to injuries and stuff like that. Um, right. But I, I think sometimes that kind of gets the most of him that he can play in one in quite a few positions. So you can see him kind of begrudgingly trudge off to right wing back sometimes. <laughs> um, but no, it mainly he'll play kind of tucked in as a kind of one behind the behind Simpson or alongside him when we go for a little bit further forward. Okay, so that's so that's interesting. So you sort of picked up on your on your wing backs. Um, we. I've spoken a lot at length on both the podcast and in previews that I've done with other fans about about wing backs and how this it, it's not as simple as just having two different types of wing backs, but 
some teams really have wing backs that play as extra wingers to really try and mm. push forward. Uh, and mm. obviously, more, it could be situational within the game, of course. Um, so, for example, like a, a home game where you're really going at a team may be more likely to happen. But what's your kind of situation with the wing backs? Are they are they expected to push forward a lot and cr- help create the width, or are they more sort of part of a flat back five? Yeah, I mean, what we, we probably see when we go forward is one of them will go. The other one will stay right, back and tuck, okay. tuck, tuck, tuck into a back four kind of thing when one yeah. of them goes forward. The majority of the time, it's Bruff on the left-hand side, Patrick Bruff at the moment. Yeah. Um, with, um, we've got Ali Koike injured at the minute, so Bruff's come in from Barrow. Um, last mm-hmm. He's done a good job so far, actually, and he'll be the one that yeah. mainly gets forward from the left. He almost scored, like I said earlier, against Wigan um, to give us what would have been the lead just before McManaman did his stuff. <laughs> um, a little bit annoyingly. Um, yeah. Ozzy Ma- Mayo is the one on the other side. Um, okay, he yeah. will get forward as well. So again, Bruff will tuck in if he goes forward. So it's, it's just a case of it'll go to a four when we're attacking and stay uh-huh. as a kind of three or a five when we're, when we're going forward. I'm Ethan Arahon and you're listening to the Stacey West podcast. Um, so brilliant. That was Charlie from uh, from our podcast uh, speaking to Danny from All Cobblers for me. Really interesting for me, just picking up on something that Danny said there. He picked out Tyree Simpson, who I think we were linked with on loan at some point last season. Um, and they're quite excited about him. My comments on the 1-24 to were that I didn't know if they'd got enough going forward. Um, and they've got kind of some of the old guard in Danny Hilton and the other player that he mentioned there, Sam Hoskins as well. Um yeah, so in interesting points. Where do you stand on Northampton? I think it's a winnable game still. I think that's a good signing, by the way, Tyree yeah. Simpson. They give a good physical presence up there, a good powerful player. And uh, Hoskins scored 22 goals last season for them as well, I think, didn't he? So it's de- obviously there's a threat there. And he scored um, yesterday against Wigan, but it was, a, it was a direct free kick. One thing that's interesting about Northampton is they've played three different shapes in the first three games. They've played a 3-5-2 with a number 10. They've played a 3-5-2 with a holding midfielder. And then against Wigan, they played 4-3-3. So it's very, very difficult for us to kind of plan to know, oh, we're definitely going to be playing against this system in this shape. So you have got to focus a bit more on the individuals then because it's more difficult to predict. What is interesting is that they've only had three shots on target combined in their previous three games. So they've played three games so far and they've only had an average of one shot on target in all three of those games. And in the goals and in what they've conceded, uh, they've conceded 1-0 against Stevenage, 3-0 against Swansea, 2-1 against Wigan. They've looked quite susceptible from crosses. Well, we just mentioned before how many crosses we put in against um, Wickham. forgot who we played then for a sec. And had the, Mark Kennedy made a point of saying we wanted to get the first ball and then that second cross in and keep the pressure on. Again, this is maybe just Wigan City fan optimism, optimism after having a, a, a good win, but... Northampton have lost all three of their Gatelet competitive matches so far this season. We're on the back of two convincing victories. And I think we've got the ingredients. We've got the style of team that could get a positive result against Northampton. I'm quite, I'm quite positive about this one, to be honest. I concur, naturally. Um, I picked up the fact that they seem to constantly um, outperform, or they outperformed relatively low XG. Um, for instance, Northampton when they put uh, uh, Harrogate rather when they played them at the end of last season, three goals, one point two xg. Um, when they play, da 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 da. Where was the other one? There's a couple of them. Two goals there, one point four xg. They're very very low. We love xg. I had to mention it. Um, very low xg. Although to be fair, one of the games that they've lost this season was against Swansea, which you know not really surprising. In in, in did you see the goal that? Ex imp Josh Janelli scored in that game. I did see way. that goal. What a goal that was. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, it was. I, also, I think. Mention... Sorry, go on. Yeah, no, go on. UK. I was going to mention um, their loss against Stevenage. They did hit the bar and the post. Obviously, neither of them counter shots on target. But you know they were probably a little bit unlucky against Stevenage as well. Zero point six six xg compared to Stevenage's two point one three. So whilst they did hit the bar and the post, had they got those two goals, it would have been another classic example of them outperforming their xg to get a result they probably didn't deserve. Um, interest in the games that they've lost so far. You know, any team I think who wants to stay up in this division will be expecting to take something from Stevenage at home and potentially Wigan away. Now look, Wigan away is a little bit more forgivable, probably because I think Wigan will be all right this season. Um, but 2.3 XG for Wigan to, to the two goals, 
typically, I think you tend to find that teams do outperform their XG when they win games. So for ours yesterday, I think was was just under two. So mm-hmm. typically, you do tend to outperform it. So when a team underperforms so spectacularly, you think, well, actually, that game could have could have gone quite the other way. Six Fields isn't a stadium that you go to and get blown away by the atmosphere because I think it's still only three sides. So it's a little bit of a strange... Um, oh, is it, have they changed it? Is it four sides the, again now? It's got, yeah. So the, the stand that's kind of half-built on the side yeah. is now still half-built, but it's got seats in it. So there's no concourse or anything underneath it, but there are seats okay. in it with the which, you can, which, which now houses supporters. So it's kind of... Three and a half sides. It's, it's still weird, though, isn't it? It's still a weird atmosphere. It's there. really open. The corners yeah. are really open, aren't they? Because the, the, none of the stands are kind of are quite the full length of the width of the pitch. And yeah, you're down in a dip, if I remember correctly, on an mm-hmm. industrial estate, and it's just, yeah, they did it's really well to come up. No, it's not a traditional not. football ground, is it at all? They did really well to come up, but those those defeats, Stevenage and Wigan, they, they would probably have liked to have taken a point from that. The last thing they want is a team like Lincoln who have scored five in two games coming. I agree with you. I think it's a game that we can win. Um, you would expect them, the way that they play, not to come out as like a Wickham and kind of be relatively solid. You would expect them on home turf to, okay, they're going to be cautious, but they're not going to be settling for a draw against us early doors. Um, and like you say, I think it's a good time to play them because I think if you get two months down the line and they've acclimatised a little more to League One, bear in mind this John Brady, to my knowledge, has certainly not managed significantly in League One. I don't know if he took over when they first went down or if he took over when they um, when they were actually promoted. But new to the level, I, I just think it's a good time to play them. I really do. I I. It's interesting listening to what Danny had to say because I got a little bit of positivity from him in terms of some of the players that uh, that they've got and the threat that they carry. You know, he was very positive about Sam Hoskins. It's great him scoring twenty odd goals in League One in League Two last season. Um, I remember us playing in League Two and I thought he was woeful for them. And I, for me, he was a player who is a good League Two player, but I'm mm-hmm. not convinced that he's going to be able to step up to League One. I think Tyree Simpson will be a big player for them. Mark Leonard's an interesting one in midfield from Brighton and Hove Albion. I think he's one that um, impressed last year and has come back on loan, and they're really excited about that. So travelling imps, I think, could well be in for um, a good evening. And I'll tell you something I said to my old man yesterday, take four points from these next two games, and we're not previewing Shrewsbury now. If you've got seven from four, you're averaging, what, 1.75 points per game, something like that. Take 1.75 points per game, um, every game between now and the end of the season, you'll be in the top six. Yep, yep. And that, by the way, that'll be three away games and one home game as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's weird. It's amazing how far away Bolton seems now, isn't it? Yeah, isn't it? And all we've done is beat a, a below-strength Notts County in the Carabao Cup and blown away a Wickham side that are transitional and not as good as they were. It's the manner of the victories at times, isn't it? As well, yes. I think it, it, we it was we were very much we won we won both. <laughs> hello, Charlie. We won both games by being ourselves. We have a defined identity now, don't we? And I think both of those victories in the last two games have come from us being good at what we do well, yeah. and that's a good place to be. You start talking about being good at what we do well and Charlie kicks off once again. He knows it. You and I know it. Mark Kennedy says keep our feet on the ground. We are going to keep our feet on the ground. The last time we won 3-0 at home was against Cheltenham in the game that we needed to stay and win uh, win to stay up, I think, under Michael Appleton, if I'm correct, yeah. which was you know a, a poor Cheltenham side to win 3-0 against a team who have been there or thereabouts for the last few seasons. Whatever stage they're in with the players that they've got, I think is absolutely huge. Confidence will be good going into Northampton Town. Come away from that, even with a point, win your home games, draw your away games. Do you know what I mean? You're laughing again because that's two points per game. So really interesting. We picked it up when we did the YouTube uh, show with Charlie about, I think you picked out the Wickham game and I think I picked out the Blackpool game or vice versa. I can't remember which way it was. It was was that way around, Um, yeah. We both looked at these two games that we've got coming up now as, well, we should be taking something there. Last season, every game we looked at where we said we should be taking something there, we didn't. Seven days from now, we're recording on Sunday afternoon. Seven days from now, we might have reason to be much more excited. Um, And we'll still only have 42 games to play. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Look, I'm I'm more more positive about Tuesday than than I was 
prior though. Uh, I always saw it as a as a winnable game, but I'm even more confident now. Um, I'll take a point. You always take a point away from home, but I really genuinely think we've got a a big chance of a of a three points on Tuesday night. And yeah, fingers crossed that we we come away with that. And if we do, then we can go into the game on Saturday against Shrewsbury, which on paper will be a slightly tougher test than Northampton. Full of confidence. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you've been listening to the Stacey West podcast Sunday special. I've been Gary Hutchinson. He's been Chris Lamming. Uh, and at the heart of it all, the Irish wizard has been Mr. Danny Mandroyu. He sparked us to a 3-0 victory against Wickham Wanderers. The first time that we have beaten Wickham Wanderers at Sinsel Bank, I think, since we've been back in the Football League. The first time that we've beat Wickham Wanderers by such a margin since Francis Green um, scored and I think Jamie Forrester got a brace in the 2006-07 season. I might be wrong about that. If I am, I should just edit it out afterwards. Um, all there's remains to say is enjoy it if you're going to Northampton and up the imps. Up the imps. the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Support comes from ServiceNow the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier, all built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.